You are listening to Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship with the world. My name is Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. This show, we're joined by Dan Auer for a throwback to On the Grid, Working File's predecessor. Let's go! Ooh, stings. Oh, hello. The boys are back in town. All right. Guess who just rolled in today? Those podcasting boys that have been away. They are on a show, so they have lots to say. I should have thought out this further. The boys are back in town. <laughs> this is like a McElroy Brothers intro. That was a good one, Andy. Uh, except, well, you, can't, you ca- can't call it out like that. You ruined it. Oh, sorry. I mean, that was very natural. Commit to the and- bit. Play with me. No, no, just take it out and post. It's fine. Everything, the whole thing, yeah. All I of just it. I cut down. I cut the episode down to nothing. Just it's not take an episode Andy in out in post. That's the key. You just cut me out in post. Replace me with some nice, I don't know, audio clips of instructional videos, or maybe a <laughs> babbling brook, or no, just an air horn. There you go. Yeah, just a loud, like a boat horn, like a steam horn, a fog horn uh, on a big boat. Just that kind of constantly. Based yeah. on the stat that you talk through 90% of these episodes, that'll be a super pleasant one. People <laughs> no, will just, love it. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be really poetic. It'll be just a long horn punctuated by <laughs> little, you know, smart thoughts from you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those of you who haven't picked up on it, this week on the show, we're joined by Dan Auer. Hello. Hi, Dan. Hi. How are you guys doing? Well, we're, oh, ooh, that's a big question. It's a lot, oh. There's a lot of ins and outs of that question. A lot of here's, a lot of there's. Okay. <laughs> I'm great, actually. I don't know. Andy must be having a hard day. I'm fine, Dan. Okay. Doing fine. Are you doing well, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. living. I'm alive. Are you, are, are you getting enough sleep? Oh, yeah. I'm actually I'm sleeping great. I sleep well these days. I've gotten older. Right. And obviously, you're eating well with that garden. Oh, yeah. Eating lots of vegetables. Uh, getting a lot of exercise. Just sitting out in the sun, picking weeds. It's my whole life right now. There you go. I'm a very exciting young person that has a very exciting young person things to do. <laughs> Yeah, you grow a vegetable, you bring it inside, living the life. Yeah, exciting life. If I did that to like a cool EDM beat, that makes it young, right? Yeah. 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 If I'm picking vegetables, then there's like a nasty drop. Yep. For those of you that are wondering what the heck is going on on this podcast, (laughs) this is a little bit of a throwback slash reunion tour because Dan, our lovely guest, uh, do, do you boys know that it's almost exactly five years ago to the day that we recorded our first podcast together? Holy cow, really? Oh, I did not know that. Wow. But, uh, I looked it up that in my sounds email. about right. That yeah, sounds about right. Basically, exactly five years ago that we recorded the first episode of what will become uh, our, well, at least the three of our first podcasts. I know, Matt, you had a podcast before that, but the first podcast we did together called On the Grid. And On the Grid ran for 120 some episodes and was kind of the spiritual precursor to this show. And, uh, but unfortunately, we, we lost Dan in the transition. So uh, we decided to have him back on for a nice reunion show. And here he Hello. is. Thanks for having me. Say something interesting. So, Dan, yeah, Dan, you, you, left, us, you left us for, more, uh, for a more balanced life for greener pastures, for not having to record a podcast every week with a bunch of, a bunch of goons. Uh, mm-hmm. How has your balanced life been going? How are things? <laughs> it's been exceptionally balanced. Like, that, that's it. It's not even exciting. Um, I, did, I spend my free time at home uh, exercising and I, sleeping. 
So it's really, it, there's nothing new to it. There's nothing special. Uh, but it has been very nice to not have like side projects or anything like that that I do. Um, did you so, like go make a chair or something? What, well, you didn't do any side projects? Did you get married at a Taco Bell? I don't know. Did you do something? No, no married at no, a Taco Bell, my coworker did, and that's amazing. Um, but no, I made a coffee. That's depressing. Table. I have to play my role. That's depressing, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you knew Dan, not me, the other Dan, um, it makes total sense. But sure. Actually, if we knew if we knew you, Dan, that also would make sense. Actually, that could yeah. also make sense. See, I like I don't even really eat much fast food anymore. So like I'm not even the old Dan I used to be. Oh, well, these jokes aren't going to land then. I know. Um, this is just this is just cyberbullying now. This isn't a joke <laughs> at all. God, why is Matt being so mean? Jeez. I don't know. No, he said he was uh, fine. So I have to trust him. Yeah, but I mean, like side projects, I, I did make a coffee table. Um, that was interesting. Um, I'm in the middle of working another, on another piece that's kind of like a console-ish. Uh, but that's... Like a competitor to like PlayStation, Xbox, like your own console? Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. it's cool. Are you going to make the Dreamcast again? Because I, I think that's a good idea. Oh, shit. There's already something called the Dreamcast? Hey, you swore. Well, you oh, swore. I swore. One. Yep. Dreamcast is, was my was forever my like aspirational console. It's the one I always wanted and never got, just because I didn't I didn't need it at all. But it seems so cool. A little screen in the in the controller that was uh that was progressive and and forward thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then it fell flat on its face. And now uh, I guess the closest thing is PlayStation Four has a trackpad on its controller because that's worth it. Well, no, the um, closest thing is that doesn't Nintendo have like a whole controller that's also a Game Boy basically? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a, a tablet with uh, controls on the side. That's it. Yeah, that seems pretty close. Yeah, it's really cool. So, I think we should talk about some design things. Even though mm. that's not really in the spirit of On the Grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we just have to, we have to pretend we're talking about design things, and then we just talk about anything. So, well, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple loose ends exactly I want to tie up, it. though. Just because I know that the, the diehard listeners out there that have followed us from podcast to podcast are, just need to know. They got it. They got to figure it out. I got to know, Dan, mm-hmm. how many jobs have you had since we stopped recording on the grid? <laughs> Screw you, man. Um, it's a, it's okay, a sign so, of a good career. You're lively. You're bouncing around. You're a hot yeah. commodity. I think, okay, I have to think about timelines. Uh, so when I left the show, um, after that, a few months later, I went to go work at another startup. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But I was only there for like six months. It, it just wasn't a good fit. Sounds um, about right. Yeah, but afterwards, I returned back to CBS Interactive, and I've been incredibly happy being back. Great. Uh, and yeah, that's it. So again, it's... So really it's, only one other job, because you're not going to yeah. count going back to the same place. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was very convenient, because I, I left for about six months, almost to a day. Uh, and then when I left, uh, yeah, it, they still had my position open. So it was, I was very fortunate. But, they realized they couldn't live without you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they sure did. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, it, again, very anticlimactic, but yeah, back at CBS and uh, super happy and working on really, really big projects. So uh, I could stay busy. Great. So we did talk a little bit about what topics we would cover, which I got to say, again, not in the spirit of on the grid. Clearly, we've we've fallen off our game because we had to talk about topics ahead of time. But uh, but Matt, I think you brought up the idea of just how our perspective on our careers has changed given that we started the podcast five years ago, which doesn't seem like that much time, but 
that was for all of us more than half our careers ago. Uh, so we're yeah. in very different places now than we were then. Uh, it's my Even birthday. Even a significant portion of our lives. We're not yeah, that no, old. Yeah, no, exactly. It's my birthday yeah, yeah. in two days. So, uh, so I'm, I'm almost 29 now, uh, which is one away from 30. So, uh, so we're, we're getting up there. And uh, I think that we kind of like, uh, I think we should make this a nice Bildungsroman, a coming of age podcast. And just uh, <laughs> talk about, you know, because we, we've known each other for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time. And this is a good opportunity, I think, to revisit some of the, uh, some of the big takeaways from, uh, from the past five years. And I think the way I phrased it specifically was, what are the things you used to worry about and what are the things you worry about now? Because that's, that's my life. It's just hopping from one worry to the next worry and then realizing that and then be like, well, I'm bored. What else should I worry about? Mm, okay, let me start. Let me start. Ooh, I have an idea. So oh, I perfect. used to worry about graphic design and now I worry about a mentally unstable president with access to nuclear codes just ending it all. What, what app is that? What app is that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I said that flippantly, but uh, I do genuinely, you could definitely genuinely track uh, my concerns from over the last five years being almost entirely career-oriented and design-oriented to being very slightly career and design-oriented and much more just world in general oriented i would say that my my scope of concern has broadened my aperture has only opened over the past five years uh as i've kind of disengaged from any design community and more engaged with the rest of the world yeah i mean there's something interesting there because i like i feel the same way Uh, it started out with graphic design and biggest concerns being things like fonts and colors and oh yeah yeah oh yeah that stuff uh and now i it's not like I've outgrown it. It's more like I just I just don't care. It's I've transitioned from that to other things that uh, mean more to me. Like we're talking about work stuff. Sure, it's like bigger system level, uh, like design problems that you have to solve. But when it comes to life stuff, I like I do not do anything design related when I leave work. I just leave it all where it, where it is at the desk at work, and then I come home. And my biggest concerns are things like paying rent. And like buying groceries, and that's something that like I didn't really care about five or ten years ago. Uh, it, like, because I was like, oh yeah, it's just like a normal adult thing. But now, like, that's I don't know for some reason I'm more it's more present in my mind uh, rather than uh, it's, you know dumb little design things. Wait a minute, that sounds worse. You went from not worrying about rent and groceries to worrying about them all the time. Well, I also moved to San Francisco, so you can't Well, there you me. go. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You, you quadruple, is it four times, ten times, a hundred times? Usually you rent a million dollars a month or something like that? Yeah, no. um, give or take. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. I yeah. understand how math works. Yep. Uh, I don't have that at all. I always worry about everything all the time, Just diff- just different things, just different work things, but... Even when I'm worried about the entire world, I can't let go of, like, I hope this thing is on time, or I hope we can make enough money at work, or I hope we can continue to survive. Like, I don't know, Andy, do I have to just do it longer, do the thing that you did have been doing for a long time, and then you're just like, oh, well, it's fine forever. Or uh, is that just, uh, you just get used to dealing with that? Mm, well, I don't know. It might just be a time thing. I will say that weathering some like very distinct hardships professionally has given me a sense of uh, resiliency that I did not maybe know was there before for my career. Um, 
it might be a time thing. It might just be different approaches. Do you think, Matt, that you suffer disproportionately from anxiety from an average person? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Yes. Do you feel like this affects your quality of life or do you think you manage it pretty well? Like what's, what's your, what's your overall relationship with that anxiety? Pick a day. I don't know. Today. (laughs) Uh, Some days better than others, but I think I'm probably disproportionately affected by anxiety. Uh, And it it probably hurts my well-being in general, I would say. It'd be weird if it didn't, if I acknowledge that I think I feel it a little bit harder than everybody else and then it doesn't affect my life. I would say it does for sure. And do you think your anxiety has, this is is actually a very relevant question. Do you think your anxiety has changed one way or the other since you left Pentagram and effectively started working for a company that you have ownership over some, to some degree? I don't think so. I, I feel like it's always been exactly the same and I just like find a new threshold. Like I will like worry about a small detail and then I, then I get through that small detail and I'm fine. And then I just worry about the next thing but an equal amount. It's just like a steady thing. I always, I, I talk about this with my wife Susie all the time where I'm just like, oh, well I got through that one so I don't worry about it anymore and now I'll just worry about this new unknown until I get through that and then I'll worry about the next thing. It feels more like that. So you, so you feel like almost like you have to have something to worry about or else there, there's something terribly wrong? I don't know if I feel like I have to. It just seems like I find the next thing, right? Like yeah. it's going through a checklist and then, then you realize like, oh, that checklist never ends. It ends at death. Well, there you go. As soon as I check death off the list, I'll just be good to go. <laughs> It'll be great. Then you can finally go <laughs> you, on vacation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not truly an overplanner until you have death on your checklist and you have just yeah, constantly <laughs> looming on the bottom. Yep. There, there's an idea for a new to-do app. Hey, cool new startup idea. Make a to-do app that just has death at the bottom. Always. That's actually, I do, I do like the idea of just, you get like one of those like trendy, like you do one thing at a time and then at the very last screen it just says death and you can't click, there's no button to click and you're like, God, mm. dang it. You ever see those calendars that you can get that are big like wall calendars <laughs> and they have a little like circle or square for every single day of your projected lifespan and you like check off how many you've been alive for and you can see your whole life right there on the wall. Sounds terrible, I but I guess... That. Yeah. Doesn't sound fun. Yeah. Yeah. Scale's a weird thing when you actually get to look at it and be like, oh yeah, those days are clearly discernible. I can see all the days <laughs> I have left. It's <laughs> so all the sunrises, all the sunsets, and there they are, just on a poster. Thanks, graphic design. Yeah. Hey, we've already covered a lot of the important parts of On the Grid. We talked about death. <laughs> we, we got real dark. Yeah. It's good. We're, we're checking all the boxes. Am I the only one uh, who feels this way? I feel like uh, now this is Matt therapy session, but maybe there's maybe there's some hope for me. Well, mm. not being your wife, which I'm not. I take I take this opportunity to remind the listener I'm not married to Matt. Uh, I I don't see the effects you're describing of the anxiety. Like you seem like a pretty even keel dude for the most part. Uh, so I have to just trust you that you are affected by this. And yeah, I mean, I feel like. I mean, I feel like almost everybody will probably feel this way, but I feel like the amount of anxiety I have is an appropriate amount of anxiety because there's, you know, a certain amount of it is good for, like, survival, right? Like, fight or flight. Like, yeah. if you lose your job and have no savings, you should feel anxiety because you're about to lose your apartment or, you know, not make your car payment or whatever. So a certain amount of that anxiety, I think, is what keeps us going and, like, living our lives. Uh, but, you know, when you're worrying about things that don't actually pose real danger to you, uh, I do feel like maybe that's not super great for your like mental well-being and dan you're just like you're just like on 
you're just like a parrot head, right? Because you because you quit because <laughs> you quit the podcast. No side projects. You're just out there uh, making coffee tables and chilling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you honestly uh, did help a lot because uh, we've all done it where we have side projects, and I feel like that there's a uh, common mentality that people have or designers have that when you start to do a thing that that's on the side, it's almost like you have to serialize it or make it like commercial in a way where it's just not that one thing, but a series of these things. And uh, yeah, you got to brand it. You got to make a logo, got to have a website. Yeah. Yeah. And what I realized that when I was doing things like making furniture for myself is that I, it's a one-off thing. I'm never going to make more than one coffee table. Uh, if I do, it's just going to be replacing the older one that I made. I don't think I ever need to, but uh, it was very refreshing where it was no longer a design thing. It was just like, this is something I'm doing for myself. And yeah, that and not, really for, not for your captive audience of Twitter followers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, I think just having a mentality where you're thinking about like the things that you participate in on your free time or for yourself rather than uh, for a hypothetical audience uh, or a literal audience in the case of a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, do you feel like, uh, I feel like you and I might have similar brains in some ways, but I think all this energy that you're describing that kind of moves down the things to worry about checklist, I feel like I pour a lot of that energy into my hobbies. Do you, do you have like a hobby that totally can suck up a lot of your like brain power? Hmm. Well, I feel like I definitely, you know, I mean, I know the problem is that like my hobby has been design things and then like related to design things. So like pour all the time into work stuff and then do like podcast stuff about design stuff. Uh, so they're all, they're all related to this realm pretty much. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, I've got hobbies and it's like recording a podcast with you and talk about work, right? Yeah. I forget how much time this podcast really does take up uh, until yeah. I look back at my life <laughs> and i'm like yeah. oh wow yeah that's a lot of time this took up to make yeah no but, offense uh, but i i never forgot that and the amount of time i have back is great <laughs> it's a real time suck yeah. yeah um okay yeah <laughs> dan's like that's all i gotta say just don't regret leaving you <laughs> want to make sure that's been stated yeah well okay I, so there's one thing and the, there's this idea of a hobby which i feel goes right back to this whole uh, concept of I have free time, therefore I have to fill it with a regular thing or a thing I do regularly. And I don't feel like, like it almost sounds like a chore uh, a lot of times when people discuss this sort of thing, like a hobby or whatever. And I, like, I try to frame it in my mind of, like for Matt, like how would you spend your free time? Watching football. Like that's something that's not a hobby. That's something that you just enjoy doing. Yeah, uh, that's but, why I don't say like, I don't think playing a video game is a hobby. I don't think playing fantasy football or watching football or things like that, those don't strike me as hobbies. Mm. Podcasting might be a hobby. See, I don't think watching football can really be considered a hobby because you're so limited on when you can actually do that. But I totally think fantasy football and video games can definitely be a hobby, for sure. Why why don't you feel like it's a hobby, Matt? Uh, It feels so passive. Maybe not fantasy football. Playing video games feels so passive. Do you have to participate more in a hobby? You don't think you're participating? It's like, that's the definition of video games is like, they're interactive <laughs> instead of not. Yeah, I guess you they're... watch how I play a video game. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you... My, I think my brain is just off. I'm picturing yeah. you playing Grand Theft Auto just like walking down the street for like <laughs> eight, nine miles. Just... Matt, your car's just been in the ocean for an hour. Like, yeah, I'm going. It, yeah, fine. you look over to Matt like, are you okay? And is, there's just drool coming out of his mouth. And that's it. Um, <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that does lump into this uh, whole thing of just entertainment. It's like watching TV or reading a book. It might be a little Mm -hmm. bit more interactive, but it's kind of meant to shut certain parts of your brain off and then activate others that don't get to ignite in work or other things that are related to work. If we might continue the Matt therapy session, I think maybe Matt doesn't count as a hobby if there's no end product, like nothing to show for it. That might be the case. I I have I can't say I haven't lived my life that way. Like where I, <laughs> I know that feeling. One day, <laughs> one day I'll just discover like, oh my god, all the things that I made didn't fill that hole in me. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not a complete person. <laughs> Even with all these podcast episodes and posters I made. Oh, I for me I have like two classes of hobby. One hob- one class of hobby is definitely, like, things I've basically obligated myself to do, uh, of which I would consider this podcast, right? Like, I think it's a commitment to continue to make this podcast and to yeah. find guests every week. Like, uh, if I was, like, if I was going to, well, no, that's a bad example. I was going to say if I was going to die next month, I would stop doing it, but I wouldn't. I would definitely get the last podcast episodes out. Uh, but it's not, like, what I would do with my free time in a vacuum, right? Um, same goes for gardening, actually. I mean, like, planting a garden is fun and it's very rewarding but it's also an enormous responsibility and it's like if you let those weeds go for like three days consecutively like good luck you're you're out to sea so like doing that is a way for me to like force myself to spend at least x amount of time every other day or whatever outdoors not looking at a computer screen not doing design stuff just kind of doing something else but i've very much obligated myself to that i don't have the option to like quit the garden unless i want my backyard to totally fall apart and all my neighbors send me angry emails um, and then there's like the hobbies or really in my case, hobby, which is, uh, card games, <laughs> which are the thing I would do in a vacuum given, given no other stimuli. I would just, that, that would be, that would occupy my entire, all of my free brain cycles would just be thinking about games basically, uh, if I, if I had the freedom to do so. Hmm. So, uh, I guess a question I have is that, uh, we've kind of talked about like the stuff that we do to distract ourselves from work or, uh, like an offset from it now. And we kind of talked about like where, we're, where we were five years ago. And, uh, you kind of, Matt alluded to like even 10 years ago, um, like when we were all, you know, fresh out of college. And I guess my question is, do you feel, I was, n- I was just starting college just by the way, I'm young. Oh, okay. Well, I was <laughs> definitely kind of out of college but well no well no that was my third try yeah fun times uh but given that span of time um we all kind of treat our time off of work or or our inactive hours of the day differently than what we did five or ten years ago and do you feel like are you better off now do you feel like you're more balanced or do you look back five or ten years ago like ah this those were the simpler times I don't know if I look at them as the simpler times. Like, I mean, I know, like, there's a lot of things that are hard now, but I wouldn't want to go back and be, like, have to face all those things again. Like, the the thing I mentioned of, like, these, like, hurdles of of worry or stress or whatever, like, I, it wasn't any less real at the time, right? Like, do, doing a thing I would consider not to be an issue now, if I had to do it again and be in the same place, it would be just as painful or stressful or whatever yeah so it's just, like i like having that experience to be like oh i know how to do this stuff now and i'm not gonna die that's fine um i do really feel I think, like i think of now is like a much more stable and steady and fun time to be alive than being 
20 or 25 or whatever. At least you're married now, so you have someone else to drag through it with you. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I, I feel like we've talked about this on, uh, on, on the grid before, but uh, this kind of comes back to the idea of the hedonic treadmill, which is something I have anecdotally felt to be true my entire life, which is basically like everyone kind of has like the way they are. And except for like rare and temporary uh, deviations from that norm, right? Like some, something really horrible happens to you, something really great happens to you. Uh, you basically have like the same baseline level of like anxiety, joy, sadness, whatever, uh, no mm-hmm. matter what's going on in your life, because you're kind of calibrated for that. And, you know, even if your career now was 40% better in all ways than it was, you know, four years ago, five years ago, like you said, Matt, the things you're worrying about then, you still would have worried about then. And, you know, you're just going to find new things to worry about now. So I felt that to be true. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, okay, when we're talking about uh, on the grid version of me and then like now version of me, I kind of feel like it's the before and after of office space when he's hypnotized. Where like <laughs> he was like a worry wart and just like stuck in his work and then he's hypnotized and then everything is magically better. I feel like that. So it, it actually feels a little bit strange to be like back in this old scenario and talking about almost like a retrospective of like where we've been because I actually feel much You feel that different. different. I actually feel much different, um, and it was a lot of it was situational and everything from years past. But uh, now I think, like, I would say like five years ago, um, age was a thing for me that was creeping up on me, and it was the inevitable thing that I didn't want to happen. I felt like I was getting uh, like uh, very apparently older every day, and that age was like this w- terrible thing, and it was awful. And now I actually feel much younger. Uh, than I did then and just have like a, a much greater optimism about things. So, you know, like I'm 31 now and I actually feel younger in spirit than I did when I was 25. Uh, so it does feel a little bit strange. And like hearing you guys where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so. Dan, did you go to Burning Man? No, yeah, I what did happened not. To you? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah, see, okay. If, if this you, could be the result of like a desert acid trip, but sounds like that's not what happened. <laughs> no, uh, oh god, I, I I actually do not enjoy people who go to Burning Man because they are really uppity about it, and I don't know. Anyways, um, well, not everyone. Hashtag not all Burning Manners, but yeah, but sure. sure, yeah, <laughs> a lot of them around town. Um, but yeah, I I just I guess. Uh, given life changes and just like readjusting myself from uh, a few years ago up until now, I, yeah, I just, I feel a lot more optimistic and a lot more fresh about things. So I also just don't stress about things that used to get to me. Um, like I used to have this mentality where, especially with work, where I let small details build up a lot of uh, like situational anxiety for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would feel like, oh my god, if the, if this thing isn't going to work, and if this thing isn't going to work, it's all going to fall apart, and it's going to be this project is going to be ruined, and all that. And now, uh, you know, if if something doesn't uh, work out as intended, or the stuff that we planned, I, I'm fine. We just wing it, and uh, that seems totally reasonable. And it's also like, well, it is a totally reasonable setup or mindset. Uh, so. I, I think that was just like a level of growing up and to Matt's point, um, almost it's like you're ramping up the amount of things that you have a tolerance for uh, yeah. to the point where like the daily stuff doesn't bother me. Like if I was bankrupt tomorrow, that would definitely stress me out, but that's very Justifiably different. Justifiably so. 
Yeah, but that's <laughs> very different from like, oh, this project isn't going as expected. I, I just had a very different mentality back then. Yeah, I can hear that. I, uh, I probably would sweat the details more myself too. Like just, I don't, I don't know. You know what it was? It was more that um, <clears throat> like any little mistake was the end of the world because you just hadn't seen mistakes before. You just yeah. hadn't seen something go wrong. You're like, well, of course, what happens is you go out in the world and you get a job and then everybody expects everything to be perfect, and then you see something go wrong, you're like, oh my god, I'm the only person who's ever gotten anything wrong before. This is a nightmare. And you make a mistake, and you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah, that's how jobs yeah. work. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's actually been very refreshing for me, because we had uh, our interns for the summer start, I want to say, maybe about a month, month and a half ago. And uh, just being around them, like during that like that fresh state of their career uh from their perspective is almost jarring uh because like i have weekly one-on-ones with my intern uh and we just kind of like chat about stuff and recently we've been discussing things around like our both of our stages of uh, both of our careers respectively and um she's done a bit of freelance work uh she's pretty familiar with the the whole concept of like designing for interfaces and all that it's just she's really green she's new to it and uh, just listening to the stuff that she thinks about, how she thinks about it, her process, um, how her mind kind of just wraps around problems. Uh, it's, it feels barely, barely familiar. Like I, I, I was there, you know, 10 years ago, but it feels so foreign now. Uh, and it's like when we talk about our own experiences, I kind of feel like it's a bit diluted because uh, it's mixing in how we feel now and just trying to remember where we were back then. But when somebody else is saying from their perspective, you're like, oh, I was totally there, but God, that feels weird. Uh, because like, I think you know, more on like, the broader like, system level sort of stuff now, like just the big picture sort of design stuff. That's my job. Um, when somebody else is talking about like, oh, should we do this in like two columns? Like, should we put like account info over here? Like, I'm like, I have concerns about this icon and the placement. I'm just like, man, if it works, just do it. Because, like, it, there's that page, but then all these other things. So it's just, it, and just the way that we talk about it and the language around it, um, it, that was very eye-opening to me. And it was kind of funny for me to think, because we were talking about topics last night. And uh, to know that we were going to talk about it later, I was like, oh, yeah, this, is, this, this for me, like, internally is perfect. Because I feel like I have a better perspective on uh, just, like, a career of what like 10 years and um how far i guess all of us have gotten but how hard it is to actually have uh, a, a decent perspective on it it's what i have to say i don't have the feeling of like uh i think i said earlier i don't sweat the details i don't know if that's true actually i think it's just that it doesn't seem like a life or death decision it's just like well there are some obvious choices we can make there are some other choices that we can make but Probably no one's going to die based on this. Probably that icon can be 10 pixels to the right or 10 pixels to the left and nobody dies. But I do care about it. Like, that isn't, that's not It is the Hippocratic Oath of graphic design. First, to kill nobody. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All the rest of graphic design is built on top of that. Well, I made a listicle, boys. Uh Uh-oh, boy. Ooh. Made a listicle. Top 10, top 5, top 3, top 50, top 3 things that uh, I have learned since we originally started on the grid as it pertains to my career. Oh, okay. 
Should I break Let's off number this. one? Go for it, Sagmeister. Oh, oh. sick burn, uh, Matt. Sick burn. Number one, I've learned I like getting naked in my graphic design. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, what is that about? <laughs> Wait a hold minute. On, Where did on. I read this one from? <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't believe I'm reading this out loud. Ooh, how embarrassing. All right. Uh, so <laughs> these are things we've maybe touched on before, but I now believe them to be like whole truths that I know about the world. And the first thing is that truly, and I have to imagine this, this expands to every career I've been able to witness. I have to imagine it expands well beyond the design world to all kinds of other careers. And that is just to say that talent has no correlation with success pretty much <laughs> whatsoever. I have seen so many incredibly talented, smart, thoughtful people uh, basically fail at their career. And I have seen so, so many people with a quarter as much talent, a quarter as much wit, uh, be completely successful because really just not at all connected. Uh, has this been true for you all too? Yep. What does talent even mean though? Like, I don't even, I, at this point, I'm not even clear on what that means. Is talent just, they, you showed up on day one and you were good at the thing you did? Yeah, like you could draw well? I mean, in this situation, we're, I mean, put it in any context, right? Like talent, we are all effectively product and or sometimes graphic designers. Talent in product design, let's say the talent of product design is being able to make the most beautiful, intuitive, useful product on the first try. You're just extremely good at that. Uh, that does not in any way guarantee success for you at all. That's, it just seems like a, I, I feel like we think we know what talent means and then we all have like slightly different definitions of it. Like you just said, well, nailed on the first try. Like I'm not even, is it that? Is it being well, good when you're young? Like I feel well, like it's I mean, kind of fuzzy I think you can sub that, in skill if the word talent is giving you, is giving you a problem. Skill yeah, at your yeah. career. No yeah. correlation with success. No, I that, still maintain that that works. That definitely works because if you think about it, there's different skills. Like you could be on a team, you might not be the best visual designer or whatever. It might be your occupation, but you might be really good with communicating with other people on the team and arriving to a conclusion together. Like that might be the thing that you're really good at, you know, which is also really valuable. So I could imagine that could be a thing. I don't know, but I also don't necessarily think that. Like, if you're talented in or skilled in one manner, necessarily means that you're going to have a, uh, a great career and be paid all sorts of money and, and gain all, all sorts of fame. Like, there's just, there's not a correlation. Yeah, there's also no correlation, no matter how you define success, even if you don't want to make a bunch of money. Unless your definition of success is, I get to do whatever I want and think I'm cool. Then I guess you could do that no matter what, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I, I really feel like, uh, and I also think this extends beyond just a person, right? Like, I think you can also say that like a well-designed product does not guarantee it will be successful, right? Uh, a yeah. good anything is not necessarily going to be the successful version of something. Uh, and what it comes down to for me is I feel like regardless of whether or not you work at a company or you are a freelancer or you're a contractor, whatever, uh, I think being reliable and being easy to work with are i don't know like six times more important than being skilled at the thing you're doing uh like i think there's a lot of room for being like just fine at the thing you're doing or mediocre uh if you are reliable and easy to work with over somebody that is maybe extremely skilled but not reliable and not easy to work with oh i'll take that 100 percent of the time yeah i agree with that yeah 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 everyone also, like what is yeah what i i don't know i don't even know if you give me a panic attack having to work with you I don't care how skilled you are. If you if you disappear for a month and come back and like ah, I made the most beautiful thing. 
I'm like, well, I died of a heart attack because I didn't know when we were <laughs> Too late, I'm dead. So I'm really, I'm really, thank you so much for that. I'm stoked about this. Too late, I checked off that last checkbox item <laughs> in the sky, and I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead now. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that comes up here, and this doesn't necessarily apply inside of companies as much in like a normal career, but if you're making anything that is going to be consumed by people, uh, the way you promote yourself is way more important than the thing you're making or what you are. Uh, good promotion always makes up for a lackluster product, regardless of whatever it is. And, you know, I, I might have like felt this way cynically when I was younger, like, oh, man, all this bad stuff has gets popular because of dumb promotions. Uh, and I think I've just kind of accepted it at this point and kind of recognize that it's just a part of what you have to do if you are trying to make things in the world. Well, it's not a dumb promotion. Like it, it, you can make something in an enclosed space all to yourself, but if nobody else knows about it, then it you keep it all to yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's like being. Yeah, but it's sometimes being... they are dumb promotions. <laughs> dumb <laughs> promotions oh, work too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you do the opposite of that and you're like make a thing and you put it in your closet and then you get really upset that no one's taking a look at it, you go, well, that's yeah. kind of stupid. So. It, it's not crazy that the inverse is true, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, All right. Number two. Number two, top 10, top 20, top three things Andy learned in his career since starting on the grid. Uh, I have no desire to be part of any design community. Period. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wholly agree with that. Um, which Okay, so I, I've turned into almost like a curmudgeon in the office, I guess, uh, from what other people see, because if you haven't into, changed at all, interesting. you haven't changed interesting at all, what you yeah. think you used Mr. to be. I changed hasn't changed one bit. No, I've just focused it onto into work. And then after that, I'm fine. I'm great. Uh, but okay. Okay. I definitely, uh, when it comes to any sort of celebrity or organization or anything that around designed, I do not want to participate. I don't like the conferences. I don't like the celebrity around people. I don't like any of it because it seems superficial and it has no, uh, there's no progress. There's nothing constructive out of it. It's just all worthless to me. So. That is the most extreme version of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I totally feel this way. Like, obviously we have this podcast where we invite other designers on to talk about design stuff that's kind of design community so i don't know i don't really agree with you andy i think that's intense i think you just make your own little world and you just don't like the the way design communities exist right now but man you've tried really hard to build other ones so that's kind of a silly thing to say well but that's the thing right like even though we have this show and we've intentionally tried to open up the show to other kinds of people and other perspectives and broaden the scope just beyond you and I or you and I and Dan. Uh, yes, you can call that a community. I, I would call that a podcast community more than a design community. But, but sure, uh, it's just so interesting to me. And it's something I, I ruminate on a lot that, you know, of all of the subreddits, all of the designer news, all of the dribbles, all of the newsletters, all of the whatever the design thing is, d design groups on Twitter, whatever, uh, I just feel like I have no desire to be a part of any of them. And I don't have a great explanation why, other than... Well, I think it's because they're all... Like, the ones you named tend to all be like... Well, name a good one. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> but the ones you named are, are seem to be, like, kids fresh out of college talking about, like, very cliche design things. Okay, I'm boring. also not reading it's Design like a, Observer. It's like a... <laughs> but I mean, it's just... I don't know. That doesn't... I, I, I never quite... I didn't... So, Giant never clicked with me. I don't. I don't quite understand it. But 
I don't know. The, th the things that bore me are the ones that are like the people telling the same jokes over and over again. That's not as fun. Uh, and then the other one, it's either either communities are just they're interesting because they're not design based. They just happen to be designers. That's one thing. Uh, or they're just like boring cliche things people say over and over again. Yeah, and that stinks. See, like I, I feel like the difference with this show is that it's almost like you guys are sitting down with myself or with Satchel or Gautama or Robin or Chapel or like anybody like that. And, and you're just sitting down and just talking as people, as Matt's point, who happen to be designers. Uh, this is not like a uh, professional forum between designers discussing all design things all the time. And it's kept very professional and very strict and all that. Like it's, it's just not that. It's just people who have a common ground there discussing topics that they enjoy talking about. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is a design community thing. It just feels like uh, some well respected, very nice people that are just talking over a mic. Well, I will interject there and just say that I think what distinguishes Working File as compared to something like on the grid is much more of a focus on those things you said it's not, which is we do come in with a topic every week that is related to design. At least, you know, I mean, pretty directly. It's not, it hasn't been any, like, real far-fetched episodes yet. Um, and the reason that I want to make Working File, the podcast, is because of the kind of outpouring of great uh, feedback we got about how people felt like On The Grid helped them through their careers in spite of us cracking jokes, <laughs> basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like I, I, I wish that we were famous enough and uh charming enough to basically have like a personality podcast that was successful we could just like be ourselves and just talk about whatever because that's the kind of thing that i like most in the world but uh but i think that i want to make working file this show because i think that us and our contributors uh have something valuable to share with people and there are conversations that are worth having that are not happening elsewhere so uh i, I i'm actually more on Matt's side like i i do want the show to become a thing that resembles design community, or at least uh, addresses it a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when we started on the grid, I did not feel this way. I mean, I was, again, kind of sarcastic, but I was on Dribble. I was on Designer News. It didn't exist yet, but I was, you know, on Designer News when it came out. I was one of the first users. I was, you know, following every, all the designers on Twitter. I was in those communities at that time, mm -hmm. uh, all the design blogs, everything like that. Um, and now I'm just not at all. Uh, and I, I think we've talked about it before. I feel like it was a phase I had to go through in my career Mm -hmm. and uh and now i feel like there's not much value left there for me which is partially a criticism of those places and partially just recognizing that uh i've kind of moved on in my career and design practice um but i it, matt i do think that there is a contrast right because i'm part of many online communities for many other things that i do find very valuable uh so are those communities different because you don't spend all day thinking about them so like Th things are new and interesting to you whereas in design communities are like yeah i think about that for like eight hours a day every day five days a week is boring i mean These that's are not part new of it. conclusions for that's me part of it but i think there's something to be said for the fact that the like the connective tissue like the only things i mean a community right is defined by what people have in common every, every person in a community is its own is their own fully formed individual with their own disparate interests but the thing that connects everybody is whatever their sort of shared uh, shared things are. And mm -hmm. frankly, I just think in the design community, the thing that is shared amongst the most people is just a very shallow thing. Uh, it, is, it is not a deep thing. It is not a meaningful thing. It is not a way of thinking about the world. It is not a methodology or philosophy. It is just, oh, you made stuff in 
on the computer graphics wise like like that's basically the thing we all share uh, therefore that's the defining feature of it um and i don't think that the subcultures right like we are part of a certain subculture of design uh people that you know really are still in a dribble i mean there's still a very vibrant community on dribble like that's a whole different subculture uh that's kind of a thing unto itself um it's probably something to be said for all kinds of other web places that are similar um i just don't think the subcultures have uh, solidified enough in a lot of circumstances for, for one for one to be appealing to me um yeah. but i mean like obviously if, if i could talk with like-minded people as we do every week on the show uh about things i care about about systems about uh how small decisions can affect things at scale when you're working in a in a broader context um those things i'm deeply interested in i would love to have a community of people that all you know cared about a pattern language and design and uh you know all the things that interest me it's just that that's not the design community the design community is people that happen to have photoshop on their machines when they were in high school <laughs> pretty yeah. much i i have to say I, I had a very similar thing happen to me in high school which was being in a metal band and then realizing that like the connection shared amongst the greater group was kind of boring especially when you got older we were like oh we're all we're all just really angry and we like <laughs> we like these bands uh and then you, but that doesn't mean like there are plenty of people i met that came out of that that uh were fantastic and wonderful and i still love today but i think a lot of those people got very bored of this like shallow connection that everybody shared and i think i think a lot of things have that um where like i, I think you've identified it it's just this like if if the very core of it is is this shallow thing uh it gets boring and repetitive um but then people spawn little subcultures off that and it gets more interesting and they find deeper meaning in it. Yeah. I mean, like oh, the, yeah. the, the way it feels to me a lot of times is that when you see these sort of design communities online, it almost feels like the group, group of coworkers that all agree that they want to go out for a beer. They get to the bar, they get their beer and then they continue to talk about work. It's like, there's, that's the topic that is discussed and there's like a level of fatigue about it. And it's almost like we can't talk about anything else. Like I get that we're coworkers, but can we just talk about a different subject other than that thing? And it feels like designers leech onto the tropes and just continue to talk about that over and over and over again, rather than and like, that's kind of the point I was trying to make with like this show. And especially with on the grid is that it, that wasn't really the case. It doesn't feel like you guys are getting back from work and just like talking about work all over again. Like you just got done with eight hours and you're going to clock two more. Uh, it actually feels more just like intellectual discourse and uh, something that's more interesting and more compelling and much more broader than uh, like the pixels that you worked on that day. I want to talk to Dan about metal bands again. I'm unbored by it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Between uh, the Buried and Me. Colors. I ooh, I think I'm going to see them uh, in a few months. Andy's like, Andy's like, uh, uh, a person who speaks a foreign language and just memorized three things, and he just said those in Pig order. Destroyer. And Dan's like, and it worked. Yeah. And Dan's like, oh, I'm going to see them. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I did it. I said a thing. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I didn't mean for that to go totally off the rails and be like a total criticism of communities. I mean, it's honestly just an observation on my part. Like, I look back on the past five years, and the amount to which I wish to be engaged yeah. in design communities has gone from like a huge part of my interest in life to basically nothing aside from as you pointed out matt this sort of community that we are working to build hopefully fingers crossed that's fair back to the listicle i want to i want to know what all these things are all right number three top three this is the last one uh you only have thing. three 
you you hyped this up like you had top 15 top 10 top 20 tw- top 25 top 100 i was throwing you off i was uh okay. you know throwing you off the scent we only got okay. two, we got 10 minutes left i can't have nine more things that's true i, I wanted to, i wanted to be curated matt focus on the things that really matter anyway number three number three top three things i learned since we started on the grid five years ago um my emotional well-being is so strongly associated with how i feel about the work i am doing presently uh and it's a thing it took me a long time to realize but if i feel like i'm making good work and this is honestly unrelated to like whether or not whether clients like the work whether we have enough you know money coming in the door like all the kind of practical considerations totally void of that uh just how I feel about myself is so attached to how I feel about the work I'm doing. If I feel like I can't do anything uh, interesting and new and appropriate and everything I'm doing is a ripoff or just some kind of like rejumbling of something I saw elsewhere and already liked, uh, I feel bad. And then <laughs> there are, I go through periods <laughs> of my life where I feel like the work I'm making is you know, totally on point, it's focused, uh, and it's you know, answering the, the prompt and do, doing the right thing. And then I feel really good about myself. Uh, and that's, you know, it's always a spectrum. And it's always kind of ebbing and flowing. But it took me a long time to realize that that was a really important part of just how I felt in my life in general. And, uh, you know, it's the one way that I don't get away from work when I, when I leave, yeah. right? Like, I'm not actively thinking about work when I'm picking weeds and listening to a comedy podcast. But I might feel a little bad while I'm doing it. And if I do, it's probably because I didn't like what I did that day. I feel like I go through this, but it's like this cycle of like, all right, I feel like I'm doing good work. I'm doing good work. Wait, now I've been doing this good work for a period of time. It's getting consistent and boring. And oh my God, I better do something weird. And I have to do something really, really weird. And now it's strange and it's bad. And then, oh, it's kind of interesting. And now it's good again. And then it gets boring and weird and interesting and terrible and good. And kind of goes like that. I get, I, get, I think I'm doing good work. And it feels like boring work. And then I feel like I need to do something really weird. Wow. Yeah. Is that relatable? Mm, yeah, I mean... Uh... No, you're crazy. Yeah, you're totally crazy. No, um, I for my stuff, I don't. Know, I think it's just because I do work on so many things that are purely functional things, like you know, a video player or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. The like at the end of the day, if uh, what's concluded is that it is more usable, uh, it's more intuitive, people get it and people like it, then like that that's perfect for me and uh, i like i don't spend a lot of time stressing in between about that mm-hmm. because i think hey we could try this out if it doesn't work we can just like roll it back and try something new so i it doesn't hang with me anymore um which is really really liberating um so yeah yeah I'd, like i just i don't have that thing and i also don't have that thing where i have to do like something new and interesting and like special or unique in any way uh i just think about Okay, here's the practical thing that we need to accomplish. Let's go through our options. Let's 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 move forward with this one. I just if I get if I go through too many cycles of like, hey, that worked well over there. We should try that because it's working well for them. Hey, that worked well over there. We should try that because that's working well for them. Like I can't do too many of those without being like, oh my god, we're just doing the same stuff that everybody else is doing. Yeah, we yeah. should do something new. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, conventions, Dan. Yeah, conventions. Yeah. I definitely God, hear, that sounds so boring. I definitely hear where Dan's coming from. Uh, and there's a lot of my work that is like that, right? Where it's like, look, we just know this needs to work. And I, I genuinely, in those situations, for the most part, don't feel like an emotional attachment, right? Uh, not only yeah. because I know it's detrimental to the work, because getting emotionally attached to something that will just end up not meeting the prompt is useless and detrimental. Uh, but also, you know, it just, it's hard for me to feel invested in that process when it's like, well, I know I'm just going to kind of 
you know, follow best practices, uh, you know, maybe match some patterns I've known to be successful elsewhere, uh, maybe test some things, but just, you know, figure out what works and then go with it. Um, but even in, in like, in between all of that stuff, right? Uh, like, sure, okay, we're going to make this website and it's going to look like this and it's going to have this layout and we know we're going to solve all these practical concerns. When it comes down to like how those buttons look or like the type choice or like these kind of superficial things, I still feel uh, like a sense of, that. that's where I feel like the kind of artistic, for lack of a better word, sense of pride in my work, right? Like mm-hmm. if I feel like I can't make a stupid contact form look good, I just get, I get so down on myself <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I make this blog just look nice? It's just a blog. It's been a billion blogs and I can't make a blog that looks good and fits, uh, fits this particular context. Uh, and it, it, those situations is not really like a failure of some practical thing, which I recognize logically is most important, but it's more an emotional thing of like, I still like making stuff with my hands. I like directly manipulating things and, uh, you know, trying to make something beautiful. And if I, if I feel like I can't do that, uh, I get, I get real down. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was thinking about it and I wonder if this might be a difference where, where you guys, it's like you get a project either like you have to invent something that's new or like create something that is like a for a new entity or also revive uh, revise things uh based off of either a project or you know like something that's on a retainer or whatever and uh, the site i work on has been or GameSpot, one of two has been around for 20 years so yeah people have it's like trying to balance out um giving things that are either long overdue or much appreciated uh, with the other things that are almost like it's like a tough love sort of project, like taking this one setting and burying it a little bit more because at some point it doesn't matter anymore. You get the like small group people that are going to be upset and like having to almost be callous about it where uh, you essentially say like, I get it. I get your concerns, but this has to happen because of things that are going to be really good in the future and you just kind of have to deal with it. Sorry. Where the other things like, uh, like how we like recently we just changed how we did like promotional stuff on the site. Uh, that was something that was just a vast improvement internally and externally. And it's everybody's happy and everything's great. And when like, that's the reward I get is that when uh, it, it's easier to work with internally, but also it works every, better for, you know, most people outside of us, then that's when I'm like, okay, yeah, I could sleep totally fine. If everything fell apart and like it, it totally ruined part of the site. And then we have to roll back and, there's a whole process to it. Yeah, I would probably feel bad about it, but mm-hmm. also uh, that hasn't happened yet since I've been there. So hey yo, good work. Yeah, I it's yeah. I've I've always I've found uh, especially moving to uh, doing my own thing is there's this like odd uh, uh, feeling or you know this this like balancing feeling I have between like working on little small new projects that are exciting because you can kind of do anything but then also there's not that much budget so maybe you can't do anything versus like really big projects where maybe you're like helping a bigger team and there's like a huge number of resources to get stuff done but also there's all these conventions that they've been working with for forever so you're like oh man we could kind of do anything but we can't do anything on this side on the big project side and the other side the exact same thing but the reverse and I mean sometimes you find something in the middle that is really nice to work with but like Sometimes in the smaller budget, it just feels really good to be like, ah, we solved it quickly and efficiently and it works really well. And like, it's not the most exciting looking thing in the whole world, but we sure did pull it off versus like, we have so many resources, but we also have to deal with this gigantic app that's been around forever 
that we can't change a ton of stuff. So how do we work in that framework? I guess they're both satisfying in their own kind of way, but also work on one for long enough and you want to go back to the other and then bounce back and forth and do that forever. Back and forth forever. Like pooping back and forth forever? Exactly. Uh, Dan, I think I've decided that you are far too like well-balanced and well-adjusted to have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to be a little bit just a little bit perturbed. And uh, you're, you're just not there, man. <laughs> I think you, uh, you got it all figured out too much. Have we figured this out? Andy is, Andy is perturbed about design community, and I have uh, uncontrollable anxiety, and it keeps us, it keeps us motivated to, do, to, to uh, keep wanting to record to stuff. To talk about it and fill that hole. Got to fill to that tell, hole. Tell the world that we're, or have the world tell us that we're okay. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, like, you guys are probably going to do some post stuff with the podcast, probably go to sleep or something. I'm going to go, like, drink some Jameson and play Hitman, because that's my life now. So... Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, it's it sounds pretty great violent. Now. Well, yeah, it is. But oh man, it's so good. <laughs> uh, well, this was a pleasure, Dan. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This episode is such such a great thing to do a little callback to the past. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I think I know the answer. Is there anything you want to promote though? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> not no. like uh, not like you know your new coffee table business because you're going to turn your uh, hobby into a side project or. Uh, you know, something like that. No, like I, I wouldn't even say like check out my Twitter because it's still just stupid, dumb jokes. Just fewer of them because I don't tweet as much. So yeah, I don't see you tweet much, no mo. Yeah, no, because I'm, I'm just hanging out, man. That's it, living life. Thanks, as always, to XYZ Type for sponsoring the transcripts of this show. Check them out at XYZtype.com and write us a review on iTunes, please, which I think is changing to Apple Podcasts. They're changing the name. Whatever it is, write us a review and give us five stars. We really we really need that. So bad. Just copy one of your old On The Grid reviews, paste it, post five stars. We don't care what you write. Write anything. That's actually pretty ideal. If you could do that, that would be really good. Perfect. Perfect.